Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. They left everything and followed him. How many followers do you have? I looked up the most followed person on social media in preparation for this sermon. As far as I can tell, it's Selena Gomez with 133 million followers. Taylor Swift, on the other hand, has suffered from a distressing decline in followers as she has a meager 104 million. It's really all about followers, likes and dislikes, gaining influence. And though it's rarely ever asked for, we do post our opinions, our feelings, our stories, our lives. We post pictures of our daughters and we post pictures of our dinners. We all know the feeling of posting something and then going back every 45 seconds or so to see what our likes are up to. And we all know the feeling, at least I do, when we have something like three likes after two days and two of the likes are from our parents. (laughs) What does it mean when it says that they left everything and followed him. This story is found only in St. Luke's Gospel. Matthew and Mark merely state briefly that Jesus told Peter and his companions to follow him and become fishers of men and women, and that they did. They just got up and followed. But here in Luke's Gospel, we get 11 verses. We get this marvelously textured narrative. When we look at it, we're struck by how much is contained in these 11 verses. And for me, what stands out is not any one detail, but the fact that a little bit of all of life is contained, all of reality, texture and experience. Day and night are here. Failure and success is here. Bitterness and blessing and the recognition of holiness, company with friends. We are here, and the Lord is here. And all of these things are woven into a fabric in the quietest and most natural of ways. Each opens onto the other, one referring to the other. None is, as it were, sealed off from the rest. This passage strikes me as one single garment of a narrative. It's not just an artificial impression either. Something like this must have been in the mind of the Lord. He sees the boat and he decides to teach from it. Now certainly this has a practical reason. It makes it easier for him to speak to the people who are pressing in around him. But it also must have occurred to him that it was Peter's boat that he was stepping into. How else would he have come to see the calling of Peter under that figure of speech, which here finds a reality? He will be called a fisher of men, and Jesus is showing him what this looks like. Jesus himself sees all the incidents which are here joined to make a single whole. 
They're open to him and to his heart. This heart which unites all things in love knows of no divisions. The fishing of these fishermen who've caught nothing all night long is so important to him that he crowns it, he blesses it with a miracle. If they here learn to labor the night long and catch nothing and still obey the command of Jesus, they learn something for their new callers of what it would mean to be fishers of men and women. And something like this, I submit, will have to happen in us, too, and in our lives, which will have to find their unity in love. The unity of a love that despises nothing and shuts out nothing. The unity of a love that endures pettiness and remains open to greatness. A love that sees the world as a great parable. Not a parable that is separate and apart, but a parable that is itself drawn into the great reality it represents. Our daily round of work is full of holy significance, a preparation for greatness, an opportunity to meet the tender heart behind the universe. And it is in the midst of this daily round that what is holy happens. But in this relaxed, almost serene unity of the world, our lives, and our callings, only those who are loving and patient can see and recognize the likeness of their own life. Those who hear the word of God from the midst of the crowd and feel that this word is addressed to them in the inmost solitude of their heart, those persons who gratefully accept things of earth from the hand of God and know themselves to be loved by Christ in spite of everything, each of them who says, depart from me for I am a sinner, is the one who is called to the closest intimacy and holy imitation of Christ. For me, in this small incident in the life of Jesus, in just a few verses, we can read the secrets of our hearts and come to understand that all the love of the heart of Christ is found in one event. We are called, we follow, and in our failure, we are blessed. He sees all of life in the unity of love. And when he asks us to follow him, he's not asking for our admiration or our amazement or merely our adoration. He's asking of us something far easier and far harder than this. He wants a follower of a different kind, one who steps into his vision and sees life through his eyes, one who doesn't slice up life into likes and dislikes, but gains that unity of vision called love.